The creature evolves as the gill man becomes the lung man in The Creature Walks Among Us. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. I was really hoping he was going to be on a rampage through San Francisco, like the poster led me to believe. And I, was, yeah, I was a little disappointed yeah. with that part of it. This was not the movie I expected. I can tell you that right off the bat. This was not the movie I expected. You told me it was campy. And I was like, I was thinking about those 15 minutes in last week's, you know, our, uh, in Revenge of the Creature. Mm-hmm. I was like, those were the best 15 minutes. This is not that movie. At all. No, no, no. I thought it was campy from the episode description. Yeah. Like, like my entire knowledge of this was based off the episode description or the movie description. Yeah. And the movie description is so misleading. (laughs) (laughs) It's so misleading. No, this is not that type of movie, but I'm sure we'll have plenty to get into as we welcome you back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, of course. This week, as we try to stay alive, we are discussing The Creature Walks Among Us. With us, the good doctor himself, Dr. Alex. And joined by the mutating fish man, Eric. <laughs> Look, <laughs> the amount of times in the first five minutes of this film when they called each other doctor was just... <laughs> it had to be a joke, right? Like, it was intentional because it was just so many doctors. So many doctors. Like, oh my gosh. Dude, see, that's what being in a hospital is probably like. Everyone just oh. says doctor and everybody turns around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you just feel awkward when you're the odd man out. Yeah, and you're yeah, not and then you doctor. pretend to wave to the person behind that person that said it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think uh, this is going to be a long episode necessarily, Alex, but I do think we have... <laughs> Oh, oh, I actually think we have some interesting discussion points to get into. Okay. So let's just jump right in. Let's do it. (laughs) In The Creature Walks Among Us, we get asked some big questions. What exactly is a human? What is the next step of human evolution? Should humanity tamper with that next step? But does this film provide insight or on an entertainment level, any sort of fright? And as the final film in our Universal series, did we save the best for last, or did this film pull a fast? <laughs> That's a lot of questions to answer. <laughs> um, let's see. So you don't have to answer those big questions. <laughs> those big questions are big. <laughs> I don't know if we have answers for those, but okay. does the film provide insight, Alex, on any of those questions, mm. or does it even give us a little bit of a fright? Yeah, I, I think it does provide insight to some of the questions it asks. Um, I don't think we, we, we get anything involving the human evolution stuff. Like, they talk about it, but it's not touched upon anymore. Right. Right? right. It's just an option of something mm-hmm. that we they could do. And I think it's more, maybe used more to illustrate the links that Dr. Morgan is willing to go. Right? Like, he, he's just... Dr. Barton. Yeah. Is it Barton? Barton. Is Barton? He's the bad one? 
Barton's the bad one. Morgan's a good one. Oh, we've got him confused the whole time. Um, so Bar- how far Barton is willing to go? I mean, that makes sense since his wife is Marcia Barton. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it really, that more so illustrates his willingness to tamper with genetics and just be a mad scientist in a mm. lot of ways, more so than provide a thoughtful question, even though you and me are probably both looking at it like, Ooh, I w- wonder how they're going to do that. Yeah. Um, but as for the frights, I don't know if there's a lot of frights, but there are some cool moments, um, in particular within the water, uh, mm-hmm. when we're about to, when they find and stun the gill man, when he attacks their boat and just like flips it and you get that physicality that we haven't really gotten to see. We know he's strong, but to see him just throw up a boat with no problem with like all these men in it and just like manhandle them with no effort at all, it seemed like, yeah. was pretty cool. Um, but that, I would say it's probably as close as it gets to a fright, but it's in a moment that I really do appreciate. Now, did we save the best for last? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think this is a bad film. No, um, no. Which I'm relieved to say because I expected a bad film. <laughs> like you, we expected like a bad film that we might like. Yeah, yeah. I, I expected, like you said, camp. Like it, there was an expectation of camp, mm-hmm. and that camp was very quickly removed. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess yeah. kind of slowly and then quickly because the opening is so slow. Um, but that isn't to say like it, it's not top tier. It's it's somewhere in the middle, I think, but it was a nice surprise. It, and it's not the schlocky cash grab. I was kind of mm-hmm. worried that this was going to be. I, honestly, I thought we were going to devolve into a cash grab on the second movie, but somehow we've avoided that entirely. Um, and instead, we've gotten something kind of thoughtful and at least it, attempting to get something interesting across with its themes and its character dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't usually do this, but I do think that this one might get some points from me just for the effort alone, because I really enjoy the ideas. <laughs> Look, I think you're exactly right. This, this attempts to be really thoughtful. <laughs> I don't know if it succeeds in exploring its ideas, right? Um, or if it just is really wanting to be kind of sophisticated, but doesn't quite reach that level of sophistication. <laughs> This is a film that really feels frightening either, though, right? Mm. Um, Like, I think the first one would feel the most frightening for its time. Agreed. Um, But I don't think this one would have frightened too many people. It's much more of that exploration with this completely dysfunctional relationship at its center. (laughs) And yet, the more I think about this film and reflect on it, (laughs) the more I I like it. Yes. Even though... I think it is blunt. I think it is a bit boring. And I do think it's deeply flawed on some levels. (laughs) But no matter how you look at it, this is a melodrama. And it's not a horror film. Uh, It really is the story of this dysfunctional marriage and the things that come between it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I, I I think I was less bored by it than you were. I do think that opening 30 is kind of brutal mm-hmm. uh, when they're swimming around and stuff. I think it's pretty un- uninteresting stuff. Um, but once we get the fish, we encounter the fish man and get him on board. 
I think things for me picked up quite a bit, but it's like you said, the more I think about this one, the more I like it, mm-hmm. you know? So I mentioned some of the ideas that I liked, you know, a lot of them pertain to the creature and the themes that I think actually go, I think the creature and the themes go hand in hand here. So I expected the film to capture the creature like it does. Mm-hmm. And then be a science experiment gone wrong movie from the, like I said, the, the little blurb that I read. Um, yeah. And then it would end with them having to hunt the creature down. Instead, we get something much more interesting. You know, the creature shows that it's hyper adaptable. Yeah. And just by experiencing something or even just being around something, it immediately begins to adapt to the elements around it and the people around it. I think it actually makes perfect sense. It has perfectly adapted to the Black Lagoon, and upon interacting with new environments, like spending so much time out of the air, being lit on fire, human interaction, (laughs) (laughs) it it begins to adapt pretty rapidly to new elements, and it becomes calmer in response to others not being angry and mean towards it. I mean, these people hang around this thing for a long time. Don't attack it. Um, I think they could have maybe illustrated the kindness that they mm-hmm. had towards this thing a little bit better mm-hmm. to kind of really mm-hmm. get that message across that this kindness is changing the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of me kind of having to look back and find out what that kindness was, because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I feel like I'm doing. But when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, they were nice to it. They didn't poke and prod it like they could, like they did in the last movie. Um, a lot more humane here, despite setting it on fire. Um, <laughs> that was a cool effect, though. It, it was really such was. a cool effect. It, it was really, really was. cool. <laughs> and I do have a good example of this kindness, but, but oh, continue. Cool. I'll tell you that in a second. So um, continue. So, and I like this idea that this kindness can change when you're kind to somebody, that person in turn changes their mentality. And it's one thing that the bad, the the bad professor argues against because of the infidelity of his wife. Now, Mm -hmm. the thing is, of course, that he doesn't understand that he is the thing that's pushing her away due to a lack of kindness and listening. He all he thinks that he thinks that his relationship with her is a you do as I say right. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. It, it's it's a it's not a give and take relationship. It's a take. Yeah, and he just doesn't have the introspection to realize that. Yeah, and so I really I really like that element of it, and I, and I, I again I think the monster here really works, and the way they resolve his story. Is pretty cool because at the end of the day, he does become nicer, um, you know, and I, I like that he assails the assailant and because mm-hmm. he, he sees something wrong. When he sees violence, he reacts with violence. I think it makes sense. And I also like the way it ends. No one's hunting this thing down. They just kind of let it go. And we don't know what happens to it. We think it goes into the water. Does it live? Does it die? It's po- either one's kind of possible. It doesn't necessarily have to go under the water. Yeah. If it doesn't want to until it's, you know, adapted to, to do it. So I just, I really like the way this film ends as well. Yeah. Now you, you get at some of the ideas in this film that I wanted to touch on as well. Uh, one thing that I don't think we should overlook is the multidimensional character elements. Yeah. For me, at least 
the husband and wife conflict, it works because I actually had some sympathy for the husband early on Mm -hmm. because of a few moments demonstrated. Um, He really shows his insecurity and his burnt out nihilism that actually drives his work, right? There's this key conversation later on in the film that makes the parallels between the creature and Marsha too obvious in my opinion. But for me, the key point in that conversation is when Dr. Barton, the husband, states that he is, quote, a fact man, first of all. And then he proceeds to say this. He says something along the lines of, when love uh, is returned with hate and loyalty with infidelity, you're, fa- you're forced to make your own solution to make things happen. And this is exactly his ethos, right? His ethos and exactly the flaw of his scientific solution to human progress, which he mentioned earlier in the film. Now, this film is not subtle in the least, but these are interesting ideas that it plays around with, that's for sure. Now, you you mentioned the kindness, and I think the most obvious case of that is Dr. Morgan saving the gill man from drowning, right? The good doctor. Um, that scene is an interesting one to me. It, it really is a standout because it feels like an exact parallel to some of the underwater wrestling scenes that we've seen in the prior creature films. I think it's even the same music, honestly. But here, that wrestling isn't happening because the human is trying to escape from a murderous creature. It's because the human wants to save hmm. said creature. Such a cool moment. That's pretty neat, right? And that's an interesting twist on these stories. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that moment. It's yeah, such it's a great. great moment. Yeah, it's really cool. Ah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I mean, there's their kindness, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's kindness, um, which is very interesting. Uh, you got to pour one uh, for Dr. Morgan for sure. <laughs> yeah. Compelling character, coolest character, maybe. Maybe. But he's definitely awesome in that moment. Yeah. As for the uh, the other characters for me, you know, one thing one of the things I liked about this film is that we've got a pretty diverse lineup in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got all kinds of different characters. None of them feel like they cross over at all in character types, which is really funny. You know, we get the scummy, what's his name? Doctor, is it? No, Jed, is it no, Jed Grant or Dr. Borg? No, he's not a doctor. Jed Grant, right? He's just Grant, yeah. Yeah. So Jed yeah, he's, Grant, not, he's not sophisticated. No, though. he's not at all. Um, <laughs> in particular, you know, he seems like a really good addition to me. Um, yeah. Just like yeah. this. Ugh. Like, he's kind right. of like, he's almost like Dr. Barton. Or uh, he's Dr. Morgan, though. but... You know? Dr. Morgan on the outside instead of the yeah. inside. <laughs> well, he's in, well, what's interesting about him is he's actually an important character dynamic yeah. for the melodrama, right? He's not an important character for the you know creature element. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything really in relation to the monster stuff. But he's important in the relationship dynamic because you've got this, this hint of infidelity and you see that Marcia isn't necessarily interested in this guy that is is interested in her for the wrong reasons, you know? Yes. Uh, so it's important to have this kind of scumbaggy character in there to show some of those character dynamics. Yeah, and he, and he is pretty vile, you know? He is. The film does treat him like he's pretty bad, but maybe not perhaps as bad as he should have been treated, <laughs> as it should portray him, because some of the stuff he was doing 
uh, towards the end of his stay on the boat was pretty uh, rapey. Um, well, uh, <laughs> the swim at the end. Yeah, and then that very... that's even more uncomfortable, right? He's yeah, putting her like, in that oh, awful position. Gosh. So you don't yeah. really feel bad for him when he bites the bull, or I guess he doesn't. Yeah, when he gets his, you don't really feel don't. bad for him. But Yeah, he doesn't bite the bullet. He bites the end of a butt of a <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so I, I, I like that. I think it's interesting that the film has two villains, essentially, go at it at the end. Mm. Um, and... I like that they, I don't feel anything for him dying, but I do feel something for that intensity because of the monsters watching, right? It's, and it's you don't know what the monster is going to do when it sees this. Yeah. And what he I does. I feel something is, for him dying is, is what's interesting because even though it's like, yeah, it's weird. I'm not trying to say like this guy's good. He's not. No. <laughs> He's a bad guy. He's the bad guy the whole time. Has he ever – he's crossed the line in ethical lines multiple times. Right. Has he done anything violent yet? Mm-hmm. No. no. Uh, and we, we, we can hope that he doesn't. I mean, he's looking like he might, so you're kind of like, uh, this guy is super questionable. But he, he does help. Like, like whenever um, he feels like there's danger, he is actually trying to help Marsha there at the end get out of the lake, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so there's some interesting points there, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a questionable guy, but it's like, does he actually deserve to be killed at the end? There's a difference, right? Between a yeah, murderer a and this, you know, it's like, it's, it's, so there's an interesting dynamic there. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they do layer him in interesting ways, uh, which I do like, and you make some pretty good points there. And then Marsha is really quickly characterized too when she's firing those guns at the sharks. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It immediately establishes her as a presence, and she's a bit different and more interesting than we're initially led to believe, right? And the mm-hmm. way she even talks about herself initially, she's kind of characterizes herself as a nobody almost who's married to this doctor. And then here she is gunning down two sharks to save a dolphin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's pretty cool. A, a fun moment for the character. And then, you know, we, we get our strong, good guy, Dr. Barton, um, who's... He's, Dr. He, Morgan. Sorry, Morgan. Oh, golly, I've got them all mixed up. <laughs> Too many doctors. Yeah. And, and so I think that he's a... No. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Golly. Dr. Morgan. And he feels like he's a lot like our other two leads in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but he's more maybe intelligent, I would say, so maybe because he's a doctor. But he, he's questioning a lot of things. He's got some pretty good one-liners. He's yeah. kind of thought a few steps ahead about the moral and, I guess, via viability of some of the things they're doing. Uh, that really makes him interesting. And he's also, you know, the main love interest, I would say, for Marsha, even though he's not pursuing it to the level that someone like Grant is, to like a gross degree um and then you know i, th- I think you know, like i said our ma- our main baddie is pretty good um and i think it's interesting that he has like you said like this distrust of everybody including his wife but he just doesn't realize that he's the reason that she's looking into other men and he just blames everything else which is, it's nice to have a human villain in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, uh, the characters do work. That's for sure. My, my issues with the film, since we haven't really gotten into that, is I, I do think this film is quite boring for a long time. Uh, and it doesn't feel like it has a clear direction, especially in the first, I would say, 30 minutes of the film. Uh, I mean, yeah. there are several moments when we just get what feels like repeat footage for these three-minute scenes. Yeah. Um, and, and look... If you've listened to our podcast, you should know that I'm okay with quiet, contemplative films. But the problem here is that there's nothing interesting or contemplative about these shots. They're just repetitive and boring, right? It's like, give me the shot, good shot once. And if you're going to give it to me, stay there. You don't have to keep cutting, right? But don't cut back and expect me to admire like a new sh- – it's the same shot. It's the, <laughs> it's the same shot. You've just done it six times now. Um it gets boring, so don't do that. But uh, at the end, here's a question for you, Alex. Do mm-hmm. Marsha and Dr. Morgan, are they found together at the end because they are indeed having an affair and the creature spares them regardless? Um, if so, I just think that's an interesting whole other layer. I'm not sure what the film is implying there, but... I like to think that it might have been implying that there was something going on. Interesting. It, it's interesting because they're they're kind of found and they're in their like night clothes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And they're together. Um, and I, I'm trying to decide whether or not I think it's implying that while this whole murder was happening, there were other things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and to me, that just adds a whole other layer if that's what is being implied. But I do think it's an interesting element that you could completely explore mm-hmm. if that is was indeed the case. You're saying that he was going on his second dive. <laughs> yes. Of the movie. Um, yeah, interesting. I didn't even think about that. I just thought he was there to, he like ran down to protect her, but maybe yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Hmm. So I don't know. Something to rewatch it for just that yeah. scene not the whole movie yeah. um <laughs> yeah I, as for me uh i haven't really mentioned much of my cons but it, i'm with you the pacing the first 30 minutes of this film are they're pretty painful i almost fell asleep during him yeah. um i mean my least favorite parts of these movies has always been them swimming around mm-hmm. and to do it again it's just it's exhausting but yeah. The last hour almost redeems it in a lot of ways for me, which is a little unusual for a yes. film to maybe be so strong on the last two thirds that the first third didn't really affect me too much. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's really my biggest complaint with the film is just early pacing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, even if you think about, we didn't have a ton of action scenes, right? Like, if you were in this movie for the sci-fi element or the, you know, the creature element, honestly, you might be disappointed with oh, that yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> but the moments that we do get are pretty great, right? Like um, the moments of action and violence are kind of spectacular. We mentioned the fire scene, but also the scene, the climax at the end um, when the creature kind of goes on a rampage, I think it's pretty neat as well. Uh so, yeah, I mean, I could see why some might not like this film. I get it. I get it. Um, but I think if you look at it as a melodrama and not necessarily as a creature feature, you might be okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, on MVM Plus this week, uh, we get into the weeds about uh, our own show. It's a little bit of a meta conversation before we end up talking about some of the things that we've been watching recently. Alex has been watching. Uh, I, I'm excited to hear his his thoughts on Midnight Mass. Ooh. He finished Blind Manor. He's been watching more uh, Super Sentai. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, and a variety. Was uh, what's the train, other show? Bodies, the bodies, 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 bodies. Bullet train. We we get into it all uh, over there at MVM Plus. You can find that at patreoncom pod and listen to that episode in our entire backlog of MVM Plus episodes. But let's get into our awards, Alex. Uh, Staple Awards. Who do you have for your most compelling character? Yeah, for me, my compelling character award is going to go to Marcia Barton. I think that she is really interesting. I want to know her background, like where she learned to shoot these guns, right? I think that's really what's so alluring, I guess, for me is that moment just raises so many questions Mm. and she kind of shrugs it off and even has a few lines that throw away lines about it. But I want to know what she's been, what she, what else she's been hunting. She, does she hunt big game in the Sahara? Like, like what is is she up to some illicit activity? Is she a game banger? We don't know. (laughs) Is she a hitman on the side? Possible. She just has like so much confidence in everything. I'm kind of curious on how she ends up with Dr. Barton when she is like so like you start to wonder you start to wonder if Dr. Barton has made her into the character that she has become and that we see in the film. Yes. Right? That's more likely. Uh I don't think she was necessarily always the way that she is. Yeah. You know, and she talks about that line of it would be courageous to stand up to him. You know, or to like, even just, it's not even kindness at that point. It's courage, you know, uh, it's Mm. not patience, it's courage. So yeah, she's interesting to be sure. Uh, my compelling character is the Gill man. Um, Mm. because I think there is something sympathetic about the Gill man here. And there is, we're talking about compelling characters. There is something that makes me want to know a little bit more, right? Um, I, I think you are right in that it doesn't show enough of the kindness aspect. I, I know we get that one scene, but I think we could have explored that a little bit more. But nonetheless, I find the idea that the Gilman is more human than we thought originally even though like as audiences we can kind of see those connections easier than the people in the story. I think the idea that the Gilman is closer to human than we even expected is an idea worth exploring and it makes him pretty compelling. Yeah, absolutely. What about your most uh, memorable line award? Mine comes from the good Dr. Morgan. Uh, and, it, <laughs> and this line is over the top, of course. Uh, but it's one of those lines that, you know, I dig uh, because it is over the top. And <laughs> he says, we all stand between the jungle and the stars at a crossroads. I think we better discover what brings out the best of humankind and what brings out the worst because it's either the stars or the jungle. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's true actually. Uh, yeah. And I see it all the time, 
you know, in, in my own work. So I'm like, man, you can relate. You can relate to that line. But the stars or the jungle, what a dichotomy that he presents there. <laughs> pretty dramatic, but it that's what this movie dramatic. is. It's a melodrama. It is a melodrama <laughs> for sure. What about you? Uh, mine is when Barton and Morgan are talking over the um, badly wounded body of the Gill Man, and they're mm-hmm. talking about the things they're going to do. And Barton says something to the effect of like how it's changed and the unknown. He says, "Are you afraid of the unknown things?" And Doctor Thomas Morgan says, "I'm only afraid of misusing what I do know." Mm. Which that's that's kind of one of the reasons why I like this character is because. That seems to be his philosophy. He's like he never jumps to conclusions. He never does, never gets ahead of himself, and he's just always kind of not. I won't say even in control, but he is in control of himself. But I just like these small moments with Doctor. Um, almost said Morgan? the wrong one, Morgan. Morgan. Yes, yeah, also Morgan. You said Barton, but you meant Morgan again. Oh my gosh, I can't get it straight. <laughs> Well, let's transition then, and maybe you can keep it straight, into the Can't Believe the Acting Award. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, I'll probably put the wrong person on here. And then, let's see. Yeah, so Dr. (laughs) Dr. Morgan. Um, I liked his lines because he is the one that I totally meant to put on here. Rex Reason is Dr. Morgan. He, he He does ooze the cool. He also has that awesome dive with the Gill Man. Um, which probably wasn't actually him, but if it was, I think it was. Kudos. I mean, it looked like him to me. It was him, I think, man. But it it, it may not have been, but it looked like him. I just he's very cool. I mean, he he looks good in those small little shorts. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like here, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Eric? There's a lot to like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was Jeff Morrow as Dr. William Barton. Who the person you might have I actually, meant to push, yes. You actually meant to put this person. I'm yes. glad you did it because now I can talk about him. <laughs> this is our villain slash, as I said earlier in the film, kind of sympathetic character at the beginning. And that's what makes him, that's what makes the acting really impressive, actually, is there's layers to this character. You can just, to me, Whenever I can feel a character's insecurity, I start to feel like, oh, man, this is like real life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I can kind of sense and pick up on just some things that people feel insecure about as they're kind of speaking, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I feel like this is a real character with real insecurities and real issues. <laughs> and, mm. and, and those issues are, are issues that you just see all the time and I'm like man this is a really good performance because of those layers uh you see the, you see the slow descent into madness now i don't i don't know i had a bit of a trouble i had a bit of trouble buying into the fact that he would kill a guy at the end mm. not that it wasn't foreshadowed it actually was and that made might have actually made it even worse um but I was like, man, that's that's kind of a leap there at the end that he's just going to straight up kill this guy. I don't know if he meant to, but he's just going to straight up kill him. Mm. But I think because of the performance, it ultimately comes around, and I'm I'm willing to accept it, even if I, I don't know if it feels natural that he breaks like that. Uh, I can accept it because Jeff Morrow gave a great performance as Barton. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award? Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's some cool shots with the action in the Black Lagoon, like where the, he's in the boat and all that stuff that really uh-huh. show like the ferocity of it. But my favorite is from the finale. It's the final kill of the Gill Man. Where he grabs Dr. Barton. Yes, Dr. Barton. That's the correct one. And he slams him to the ground. And oh, he so picks good. him up. And then it cuts to him throwing that rag doll. Yeah. It's hard to get in the ground. Yeah. It, it made me laugh pretty good when he did it. And also, you know, it's very much uh, gave me almost an impact. The idea of the last f- film um, where he throws the guy into the tree. Gave me those vibes. Yeah, yeah. Where I was like, yeah, that man's very dead. <laughs> yeah, you just see the power. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. But yeah. And it'll come up again in just a second. But my, my favorite shot, a shot that just really stood out to me, was the behind the boat into the lagoon scenes. Um, I thought it was really cool. Like, I love the camera work there as it kind of, like, followed in behind. The yeah. problem was they did it, like, five times. And they didn't need to do that. I was like, man, you could just kept it once. And I would have been admiring it. I didn't need it five times. Um, That was one of those scenes where I'm saying like, man, we could have cut this down. This movie. Well, I'll talk about that in my final thoughts (laughs) and tear grading, but it should have been shorter. I'll just say that unique award. What'd you have, Alex? Uh, Yeah. I gotta give it the just stand up award. And that is when the Gill man, he's attacking them when they're on the boat. And it seems like they're in like deep water trying to find this thing. And then when they get knocked out of the boat, they're all just standing up and it's like waist high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of just very funny. It yeah. broke that immersion of the scene, like that they're yeah. trapped with this thing when they're, it's just like waist high water. It's pretty that's funny. Amazing. <laughs> valid, valid. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Uh, mine is the Ragdoll Award, which you can already guess what that is, oh, Alex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is Barton as the creature's Ragdoll. And <laughs> it was pretty awesome. It, it was your best shot. That's my unique award. So it was great. Great moment. What about your final thoughts on this film, Alex? Is this a Godzilla, Gamera, or Gabra film? I think this is, a, this is definitely a Gamera film. The more I think about it, the more I kind of want to even move it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to leave it at a camera for right now. Um, we'll see where I'm at when we recap the series. But this was just such a pleasant surprise. It is burdened by a painful first 30 minutes. Um, the, the first 30 minutes does pretty well illustrate our characters, though. So I will give it that one little thing. Um, but that last hour is, for me, great. I think it hits every note that it needs to. Some of our themes maybe don't get uh, sunk into as much as we would like. Um, but I think it asks a lot of questions. I think it has fun with the Gill Man by changing things up, making it an even more interesting monster. Um, and so I, I think this is definitely a gamma tier. Good characters, good monster stuff, interesting themes are presented, even if maybe they're not executed on. So I, I give it mm-hmm. some pretty high marks. What about you? Mm. Yeah. I, I don't think this is the film that many people expected going in. And so I think many would look at this film and think that it is pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> I really do. I, like, yeah, I think no, that I think would be right. 
the general consensus of, of among people who are fans of this type of movie. And, uh, and I can see where they're coming from. And I would agree. I would agree that lots of aspects of this film aren't so great. Uh, I think the pacing, just like you mentioned, uh, is a problem. Uh, there are scenes that go on too long. I also think that the film goes a little bit over the top in its drama sometimes. As I said, this is a melodrama. It's not a horror film at the end of the day. But because it is that drama, it, it gets close to soap opera e levels. It's just with the entire dynamic and the, the relationship and the conflict at the center of this film. With that said, I, I had a lot of fun exploring <laughs> these ideas and I had a lot of fun in this sort of different direction that I didn't expect to go. I didn't expect to, to reflect on, <laughs> on half of the things that I reflected on in this film and, and any, any movie that can do that for me earned something in my book. Now it's not a Godzilla tier. It needs to be about 15 minutes shorter yep, agreed. <laughs> to be a Godzilla tier film for me. But it is a Gamera tier, and it's a solid, solid Gamera tier film. Uh, and I feel really good giving it that that score uh, because I feel like I can identify the flaws that yeah. it had. And for me, it just it had to be a bit tighter. Um, so just cut 15 minutes out, and yeah. this is a solid drama film, not necessarily a horror creature flick. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I'm with you. I don't think this could ever get into Godzilla because of that first 30 minutes. Yeah. It's yeah. just too it much of a burden, I think. Too much. Too much. Well, cool, man. Uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, next week with a review or a recap or something like that for our Universal series. And then we are jumping into our Predator and Alien series. You've already listened to our Prey episode. I hope you enjoyed that. We are about to jump into our Predator and Alien series. I know you're excited. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. One of my Coming two, up. two of two my weeks. favorites. I can't yep. wait. I put two a poll weeks. up on our on our uh, Twitter uh-huh. about which creature design people like more. I cannot uh-huh. believe who won. I'm actually a little disappointed in really? most people. Yeah, Predator won hmm. over Alien, hmm. and I think Alien is probably the greatest creature design of all time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, we'll have but, to get into that. Predator's great too, but you know, there's I need a whole to think thing about around. it. I need to think about it. I mean, I think the Predator's inventive oh, in its. I, I uh, think they're very close. Yeah, I think the Predator is is pretty inventive in its sort of like technology, right? Uh, yeah, it inspires pretty... you to ask a lot of questions about it, which is what I like. Visual storytelling yeah. is all over the place on the Predator. Mm. Which am I more scared of? I'm more scared of the alien, for Definitely. sure. Definitely. I don't know why. That thing is terrifying, though. Oh, yeah. That thing is a monster and a half. So we'll get into that. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. But as always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this show. The creature walks among us. Uh, you can give us feedback from Predator and Alien coming up at mvmpod.com. Or you can email us at mvmpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join it this time, 
A review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, Christopher Clavero, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, as always, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't give a fish man a tracheotomy. And try <laughs> to stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. created a monster and it will destroy you. And, and to me, that just adds a whole other layer if that's what is being implied. But I do think it's an interesting element that you could completely explore if that is was indeed the case you're saying that he was going on his second dive